it's a really fun story and I can't resist a really fun story, especially one that's from history. So today we're going to talk about the chess playing Turk. That's an automaton. You'll see. Um, it's an magic trick that astounded the world for almost a hundred years. And if you listen closely, I think you might be able to figure out what the trick was, but this is some of the most amazing pieces of engineering you'll ever hear about. Um, and it started as a challenge, which I love a good origin story. <laughs> um, Maria Teresa, and please forgive me for my pronunciation. I still have not figured out the tech side of all of this. So it's kind of like a one run through and I'm probably gonna mispronounce some stuff, but I'm sick and I cannot edit well. So please forgive and just enjoy the story. Um, Maria Teresa of Austria, um, she was having a performance for her court and she had a very famous scientist, magician. They're very close, I promise you. Um, if you go back, I have a whole season on the history of stage magic and I might do another one just because I can't resist. He was very famous for using magnets and one of her advisors was not impressed. She was. And his name was Kemplin, Wolfgang Kemplin, and he was not feeling it. Um, he thought he could do a lot better. And this was in 1769. So Maria Teresa said, sure, go do better. Give it a try. And in six months, he did. And he came back in 1770 to show her what he made. And he created a life-size automaton. And it was called the Chess Playing Turk. And this was life-size. It was on top of a cabinet. Um, and you might think you know what happened, but it's really cool how it works. So this was an automaton that was supposed to play chess. On the cabinet was a chessboard. He opened up all of the cabinets and used a candle to show all of the gears, the levers, um, the shafts, uh, to show that this was a mechanical object. And he then invited someone from the court to come and play this this amazing robot <laughs> and the person sat down to play and he lost. Um, what the audience in the, it was a truly amazing moment. Everyone in the court of course wrote about this and they talked about hearing the gears and the shifts and the clicks as this robot would move its arms and would pick up the chess piece and move the chess piece. And ah, it's really cool. So when the robot um, created a check, it nodded its head twice. And then when it checkmated, it nodded its head three times. So if you don't know chess, um, that's okay. It's really cool. And I highly recommend learning how to play at least a baseline game. But you have to always be thinking like three or four moves ahead of your opponent. It's an incredible strategy game. So this is a device that would have to be able to strategize be able to see what all the chess pieces are doing and then improvise based on what the other person is doing in the game. Now we've talked a lot. If you've listened to this entire um, season of the history of robots, you know that there are robots that existed and things that were doing things all the way back in the time of Socrates. So think about what we talked about before and see how that might apply to this. And also remember that I wasn't quite sure I was going to do this story, but I couldn't resist. Okay. So this obviously takes over the whole world, right? Um, Kemplin goes on to do a tour and show this robot off for quite a few years. Um, he gets a little sick of it and he does dismantle and put it away and says that it was faulty. 
um, it does come back and um, the next ruler asks for it to come back. So it does a tour. During this tour, <laughs> it is shown off. And um, there's another owner who we're going to talk about in a minute. But some of the famous people who talked about this and who played against this robot were Benjamin Franklin and Napoleon Bonaparte. And on one of the last legs of this automaton's tour, Edgar Allan Poe wrote a really interesting essay theorizing what might have happened and how it worked. Um, he was not correct, by the way. But he did write a very interesting theory. So it's kind of interesting because the person who invented this, Wolfgang um, Kempler, he was not a magician. Um, he was a scientist. He was a naturalist. He was fascinated by how human voices worked. He was a hydraulics engineer and an architect, which you can definitely see. I'm going to add some pictures to show notes. So if you go over to our website, take a look, you're going to see as many pictures as I could find of how this all worked. Um, but he had an amazing brain for engineering. Okay. So once he passes away, um, his son sells this automaton and it has about 84 years life of touring the world. <laughs> this thing met Kings, Queens. Um, it was shown, um, and some of, there was like a lot of people who created their own versions of this, which had very interesting ways of working. Um, okay. So this man named Mazel or Mazel, I did so much research on this and I can't tell you how many times I've seen this man's name spelled in different ways. So please forgive. There's about five spellings for this. I'm just going to have to call him Johann Maisel. Most um, because I love Mrs. Maisel. Uh, okay, so he installs a voice box into the automaton, which I thought was an interesting little moment of irony, considering that Kempler, who created this, was so fascinated with how human voices worked. But it was this new man who actually installed a voice box, and it would say, check, and checkmate. Um, which was really cool. Now, my favorite story of all this, I mean, aside from like how it begins as a challenge <laughs> and six months later, this amazing thing is created. What could we do if we weren't watching cat videos all the time on YouTube? I still like my cat videos. Okay. So there was a game with Napoleon Bonaparte. Um, if you've not heard of Napoleon, I highly recommend just doing a quick little check on him. Very interesting person. So Napoleon gets to play chess with this, um, with this automaton. There's a lot of stories of how this went down. Um, some of my favorites are that the first game, and I'm going to give Napoleon a little, I don't know, wiggle room here for a moment, um, that maybe he was just trying to see how it would handle different things. But in all of the accounts I read about this, he went first, and that's very unusual. You're not supposed to go first, but he did. And it was allowed to continue. Now, it was said that he tried a whole bunch of illegal chess moves. And each time he would make it, the first time he made an illegal chess move, the automaton picked it up and put it back where it was and shook its head. The second time Napoleon made an illegal chess move, the automaton picked up the piece and took it off the board and then continued with his own moves. And then the third time just swept the game. Um, and there are two accounts on how that worked afterwards. Either Napoleon laughed and started a new game where he played properly. The other one was that he had a fit. Believe whichever one you want. There were a few different <laughs> accounts on how that went down. I just minded a really funny story. Okay. So how did it do this? Right? I mean, you're working with the visuals, you're working with strategy, and you're also working with movement. So if you want a minute to kind of think through, go ahead and put it on pause because I'm going to spoil it all in just one second. So one, two, three, are you back? Okay. 
So I thought I knew how this worked because I, I study magic and I study stage magic. I love stage magic um, and I love illusion and I love automatons and robots. So I've heard of this and I thought I understood it. I actually didn't. Um, so it's really cool to read through all of the um, the actual accounts and to look at all of the, the ways that it worked, um, all the blueprints as it were. So you may have guessed um, and it's okay if you didn't. Um, this really did confound the world. There was a whole bunch of theories and there's lots of pamphlets and people got close um, and they got really close to understanding, but they didn't quite get all of it. So you might have guessed um, the gears were a false front. So on all sides that the cabinets would open, those gears didn't actually do anything. They were just there. And um, there was a compartment hidden behind and into the gears where a chess master would sit and would play the game. Okay, now you think you might have that solved. You're like, okay, cool. So there's the chess master. Got it. All right, so no electricity, no LED lights. <laughs> this was done by candle in a very small space. And um, thankfully there's no tragedy to report on this story, but there's a very small space and there's a candle. And there was um, reportedly a hole at the top of the head where the candle smoke would go out of and would be blamed on either the smoking or the chandelier that would be above it. Okay. So you're like, okay, cool. I get it now, right? Like there's a candle they're able to see everything no so on the bottom of each of the pieces of the chess pieces was a magnet underneath it was little um it says sometimes mirrors it says sometimes uh glass but there was something that they could see that was attached to each one so the person underneath was able to see where each chess piece was based on the magnets now, magnets were not used to move the pieces. Now we get into some really cool puppeteering, another one of my passions. And if you've studied puppeteering, you know how difficult it is to move things. So there's a whole bunch of levers. And this is where my mind just goes into, wow, this is one of the most amazing mechanical geniuses because the person had to be able to, to use their fingers and their, their hands and these levers to pick up the piece and put the piece down. That is amazing. I am actually at 10 minutes. I cannot believe how quick that goes. So I had more to talk about. I think I'll have to leave it for another day, but at least you now know this story and maybe you'll get interested and take a look at chess. Um, it's a fun game. It will keep you busy for the rest of your life. I promise. Um, I will say that um, really quickly, the ending of this is sad. Um, the the um, actual original automaton was destroyed in a fire. However, it's been rebuilt, um, actually quite a few times, but one of the coolest stories was, uh, a man named Jean, uh, Gauguin, um, I pronouncing that wrong again, please apologize to John for me, uh, if you meet him, uh, he spent $120,000 back in 1984 to create this again, and it, um, it was replaced not with a human chess player, but with an actual computer that played a computer program, I'm gonna stop now, uh, Please head over to the show notes if you want to see pictures. And if I can find videos, I will absolutely attach them. And thank you so much for listening. Uh, this is the end of the year. I don't know if I'll continue with the robots. I might be finding something new. But the kindest and nicest thing you can do, especially during all this lockdown time, is to share these with your friends and family. It's kind of a nice fun add-on to social studies class. Um, so please share with your online community, friends, and family. I really appreciate it. And... Um, 
of course, reviews are super helpful. The nicest place you can do that is still Apple uh, Podcasts. So thank you so much for that. And if you have suggestions for the next round of um, the next season, I would love to hear your suggestions. I have a few ideas because I, I write a series of history kids books. Um, they're the Penelope and Beatrice series. And uh, the last one I did was on the history of dogs. It was really fun. Um, but I would love to hear your ideas for what to do next. Um, until next year, thank you so much for listening and enjoying history. Have a great year, everyone.